You awake? Yeah. I just want you to know I hate you. So is my dad. Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of God! Why don't you tell me a story? How do you sleep at night? I don't want to hang out with a bunch of wannabe corporate sellouts. Oh, buddy, it's Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. Welcome to the show. My name is Brian. And hey, I'm Murdoch. Welcome so much. Thanks so much for listening. We're here to uh, lay waste to those rumors and innuendo you've been hearing. Um, recently on the show, we talked along about um, about the amazing man that headed up Warrant, um, <laughs> Janie Lake. It sounds it sounds funny when you line it up all that way. Like, Rest in peace. Like, yeah, when I, when I talk about him like he is a senator. Well, honestly, I have more respect for Janie Lane now than most senators, but that's beside yeah. the point. Um, sure. So during that conversation with Janie Lane about Janie Lane, we talked about Bobby Brown, and I'm not talking about my prerogative, Whitney Houston, Bobby Brown. I'm talking about Bobby Brown. Anybody that listens to the show probably knows. They probably don't think about my prerogative first. They probably think about this Bobby Brown, who was just a hot girl in the 80s who was associated with all these metal acts. I mean, that's the easiest way to explain it. And she dated a lot of the dudes, one of them being Janie Lane. So yeah. while I was doing this research, I came to you and I was like, I didn't realize the connection between Janie Lane and Tommy Lee via Bobby Brown. And basically what had happened was after Janie Lane broke, or Janie Lane and Bobby Brown broke up, she she started a relationship with Tommy Lee and she was with Tommy yeah. Lee for a while and yeah. that relationship only imploded because of another very famous yeah. woman. And so right. I said to you, like, I didn't know this. And and we had this conversation about this is actually something we should do a separate episode on. We should talk about Tommy Lee and Pam Anderson. And you said, put me in the driver's seat, coach. That's right. Before there was Kim and Kanye... The king and queen of the music, pop culture, married celebrity darlings were Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) This is the stripper. It's just the song that the Motley Crue would play before they came out on stage. Oh, man. So... What I had no idea was that so so first let's level set this so was Motley Crue my favorite band when I was growing up as a little kid and I had a mullet. Hold on, can I answer this question? Yes, oh, yes, yes, they were. <laughs> so a lot of this is going to come just straight directly from the gut in my heart and everything because there's things here that just they happen and I watch them happen. My gut and my heart. That's how it is. That's that really is how you feel about Motley Crue. We 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 joked on a recent recording about how you got in a conversation once with Mike Watt about Motley Crue and you had the the dumb nerve to ask me, I don't how did I do that? And I was like, because that's all you talk about is Motley yeah. Crue. If you've known somebody for five minutes, you're talking about the crew for sure. Yeah, and it's 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 like so silly. Like it's definitely like a Maybe it's listen, just part of my mental illness no, no, just li- to go directly to that. Listen, it's like a it's it's like a, a Tourette's thing or a, something. A lot of dudes see another dude they barely know and they're like, Hey man, do you like X team? Or do you like some twenty year old that runs around and throws a basketball or a football? This is no different. And I have to say, <laughs> the longevity is better. All right. The contributions to society are larger. Um, the swagger is more pronounced in some cases. Uh, I'm I'm 100 for it. I have I don't think you should feel any shame. I think you know we celebrate 
the crew here on a regular basis. So let's talk about this, but let's also talk about, give me the, the year that this relationship starts. It's early 90s, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So so right before this, you have to remember, we got to talk about both of them, but you have to remember before this relationship started who Tommy Lee was married to. And as a Gen Xer, I was aware of her. And when all of a sudden the drummer in my favorite band started dating Heather Locklear, I was like, this is like the most amazing thing ever. Like whenever people were like, I can't believe the king and queen or the, the prince are having a baby. Like, I don't give a shit about any of that, man. I don't care about those inbred <laughs> royal people from England having kids. When I was a kid, I was like, oh my God, Tommy Lee is is dating Heather Locklear. So so where's the, where's Bobby Brown fit into this? So Heather Locklear, then Bobby oh, yeah. Brown, then Pamela Anderson? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, okay. So, so Heather Locklear and Tommy got married, and Tommy... Uh, you would read about it in the in the dirt, and he's talked about it first person that he kind of he had to keep his, you know, like he had to go meet her family, and he had to kind of act normal, like he couldn't be like Tommy Land, and and he had to do that. And then they got married, and he mentions it in the MTV behind the music, you know, infidelity. So <laughs> so that's what happened to that marriage, and so he he splits. And what's really sad is that Bobby Brown is a footnote in all of this. So everything that you go to try to read about Tommy and Pamela and their relationship, there is Bobby Brown's nowhere in here. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't know the connection at all. And that's why I said we've got to draw these lines together because I didn't realize that, I mean, Bobby Brown kind of knocked off that pedestal. I would say she was on on course to be, and for a certain period of time, was kind of what Pamela Anderson became in this story, right? Right, and they kind of looked alike, you know? And and so Bobby Brown was... Right? Bobby Brown was doing press in 2013... Um, for her book, and and this was the thing that, like, you know, I, I, after we talked about it, I, I wanted to know, and and so what she said was that she got engaged to him, so you know it was crazy, like you know he had broken up with Heather Locklear, and then all of a sudden she turned around and he got married like super fast to not her, you know, and then that's this, this spiral of just awfulness for her, which honestly, if you take back and kind of, we, we look, I'll try to get us into Pamela's personal life post Tommy Lee, but like, I mean, sounds like it definitely is bad news after you like have this Tommy Lee, you know, run in. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, so hold on. Can we talk yeah. about, I mean, I know what your, your thoughts and, feelings are about this uh, relationship and about Tommy and about Pam and and how much you were into crew. We've talked before on the show that I came to crew late for a lot of reasons. One, I'm younger than you. And at the time of this relationship, this is like early 90s. Did you give me an exact year yet? Yeah. So they met on New Year's Eve 1993 at a bar called Sanctuary in Los Angeles. And that's how all good love stories start. Yeah, and just like every time I've ever been in a bar with where a girl comes up to talk to me, she bought him a slot a shot of Goldschlager, <laughs> and just like Tommy, tripping on ecstasy, right? 
So this is a so, firm foundation. It, you know, it it won't surprise anyone that our research did not reveal they went to marriage counseling or that they did any sort of premarital uh, counseling of and, uh, none. I, I, no, they, no, they they went on a they went on a first date that lasted ninety six hours, and we'll get we'll get to that in a minute. So anyway, so, so ninety three, so, ninety three. I'm yeah. ten. Yeah, so, yeah, it's ninety three, and and Tommy said that you know he was he was tripping his face off as the kids say now on the Molly. Um, and he said, this is a direct, direct quote. And my gosh, if you haven't read, I say this all the time. The Dirt by Motley Crue is incredibly entertaining. You don't even have to like the band. It's just freaking hilarious to read. It is spinal tap everything. It really is. But this is the best part about that book is all the Tommy Lee chapters, because when he's speaking in first person, it sounds just like him. There doesn't really seem to be an editor. It just sounds like him. So this is a real quote from him on the night he met Pamela Anderson, which this is him, a quote. On ecstasy, Joan Rivers looks like Pamela Anderson. So imagine what Pamela Anderson looked like when I met her when I was tripping on ecstasy. Oh I stared God. at her all night, and she just stared back. Right? <laughs> yes. So, so, so that's 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 her. So before before they met, he was he was married to Heather Locklear, then got divorced, and then he dated Bobby Brown. But what was she doing? Okay, this is the thing. So. She was on a television show that I never saw, and the show was Home Improvement. She was a tool time she girl. She was on Home Improvement. Right. I always right. forget that. I will. Okay, so all of a sudden this is coming back to me. So like I pointed out, I was younger than you when this happened. So you were in college. I was in late elementary school, and right. I was growing up in a very conservative household. So anything I heard about this was shrouded with the idea that it was definitely off limits, right? And so the main yeah. things that I know about Tommy Lee and Pam Anderson are, of course, the infamous tape. And, Which we'll get to. Yeah. And, then, and then about uh, eight to ten years later, she's in a video for a band that I love in high school called Lit, uh, where Amazing. she she is in there um, completely miserable, I believe is the name of the song, Miserable. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'll... Yeah. And and so there was that. I had that relationship with her. But and then there was the hepatitis C stuff, right? And that was big right. news, which was I don't know what, probably ten years after that. But yeah, I that will was in say magazine. Yeah. I do remember now like and I I have very visceral reaction when you said home improvement because all of a sudden I'm remembering her on home improvement. And you're right. That's how I knew who Pam Anderson was at the age of ten. Because yeah. right about yeah. ten, that's when you need to see the tool. What's her name on there? She she's like she's a tool time a, she's, babe. She's tool time girl. That's that's her thing. Unbelievable. And, and just and just like Big Bang Theory, Home Improvement is a show I've never seen a full episode from because they're garbage. Well, so, again, again, it. age thing, right? So I mean, yeah. that's prime. Ten years old was a great time to watch Home Improvement. It was. It yeah. had a bunch of kids your age. It was. Tim some, Allen. Yeah, Tim Allen was kind of middle of the road humor, even though he was a dirty, nasty stand-up who'd already been arrested for cocaine or something in the seventies. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But 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 more than but more than more than tool time girl for Pete's sake, she did seventy six episodes of Baywatch's CJ. Well, of course. And let me tell you, Brian, that's a show that I watched. Not gonna lie. So I saw that. And she was on Playboy more times than any other human being on the planet. 
14 times. She hosted SNL with the Rollins Band in 97. Oh, my Lord. It's pretty amazing that she was incorporated into the Home Improvement brand, which was pretty wholesome. Like, this idea that network television would take someone like Tim Allen and someone like Pam Anderson and make them, like, palatable and and squeaky clean-ish for 8 o'clock in 1993 on television is, is, is interesting. But she, what happened was because of her just probably just, just being gorgeous and being herself and really having a great agent, she was able to really fast start to play herself in things. So instead of like going on to it, like she, she did Futurama as herself. She was on two episodes of just shoot me by herself like as herself and eventually later in her career with her movies she would just play herself in a movie and in australia she did big brother australia and then she had like a spin-off pam show she is a incredibly famous person and obviously her fame's grown a lot bigger since this original marriage so let's let's step back a little bit well, so hey before before we go forward yeah. i do think it's important to say that if you look on um bob villa's youtube channel which i didn't know existed um there is a clip that bob villa himself or at least his people have posted of his time on home improvement directly talking to uh pam anderson so let's let's take a listen to bob <laughs> two american treasures chatting on network television hi bob how you how'd doing? you get over here well, I heard you needed some help, so I thought I would, you know, I just live around the corner, so I thought I'd come in and help you. We need all the help we can get, but I thought you were so busy in home improvement. Well, and... home improvement's on hiatus right now, but and... you're not going to tell Tim that I'm here, right? I mean, I'm... Tim I'm, who? I'm... Oh, man. Oh, Let me just tell you, the acting chops are unbelievable. Unbelievable. Anyway, proceed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, did you know that Tommy Lee... Was, was on Pamela Home Improvement? Anderson. No, I'm just kidding. No, no. He was Pamela Anderson's first husband. So so put that in your pipe because we're going to get down a really weird, crazy neighborhood of relationships <laughs> with her eventually. But that's really hers. So, And I mean, imagine, like, you know, your mom finding out that you got married in People magazine because that's how Pamela Anderson found out she got married. That's how long ago this was. There was no sitting around the internet finding out about it. She found out about it in People magazine, and her mom said it was, quote, heartbreaking and shocking. So, okay. So, they met on New Year's Eve, but this was 1993, and then they didn't get together for another six weeks. And the reason why... It's that just typical like Southern California, Los Angeles stuff. There's a guy in a band, there's a supermodel and she's on TV, like just kind of difficult for them to get together. So Tommy wanted to set up a date and she was trying, they were trying to figure it out. And she told him that she had to go to Cancun for a photo shoot. So why don't you come with me? Yeah. So he decided he'd go. (laughs) So he impulsively decided to follow her. It was him, so he showed up, and then he went down there. They spent 96 hours partying the entire time. This is Tommy now, so Tommy speak. We're getting back into Tommy first person, and he said, quote, I took off my pinky ring, put it on her finger, and asked her to marry me. She said yes, hugged me, and stuck her tongue down my throat. 
because that's Tommy Lee. That's a beautiful American love story. They got married. They were hanging out for 96 hours in Cancun, partying their faces off, and then they just went and had got married right after that. They got their names tattooed on their fingers in the, like, the, the, on this little their first date basically the ceremony had eight guests and it ended with Tommy Lee throwing her into the ocean that totally happened so what I saw during this warrant research was that Bobby Brown had known that Tommy was screwing around on her figured it out basically and they had been engaged like you said they'd been engaged and then like uh, she imme- he immediately gets married, like so. There's yeah, like that right. six week period or whatever. But I think like when he met her, he was still technically with Bobby, and then yes. six weeks later, she's like thinking, okay, he's moving on, fine. But he's he's married. He's married. Yeah, and and they they come back from Mexico, and no one like it's a surprise for everyone. They haven't told anyone, and she just moves into his house, and you know. It's like one of those things that their friends didn't know. Like it was just a thing that just kind of happened. You don't think he and, called Mick Mars? He's like, "Hey, man, <laughs> I just want to imagine what that conversation would be like." Do you think Mick Mars even takes Tommy Lee's phone calls at any point during the band? I don't know. I, I've watched I've watched interviews where he says nothing the entire time <laughs> from the eighties, nineties, two thousands, two thousand. So if there's anything yeah, that makes me believe in alien life, it's Mick Mars. Like Mick people, Mars may actually actually be from another planet, Mars probably. <laughs> People say that a lot. It's very odd that they they like say that he's like an alien or whatever. But so they had this whirlwind romance. And for people that don't remember, this is a quarter of a century ago. It's before the Internet. And they very quickly became the hottest celebrity couple immediately because of this whirlwind romance. And because of she was on Baywatch and he was in Motley Crue. And it was kind of scandalous how they got married. So let's talk about Motley Crue's career at this point, right? Because I really think about the height of Motley Crue being a little earlier than this. So tell me, as the Motley Crue expert on this show and and really in life, where were they during this period? Did this help their career? Were more people buying Crue albums because of this relationship? No, but I, I think that this helped Tommy's career and the Tommy brand more than anything oh, else. Oh, yeah. It definitely so, made him a name that I know, right? Like, I don't know if you'd ask me early teenage years to name the members of Motley Crue if I'd gotten past Tommy Lee. Obviously, right. now I would. But as, a, yeah. as somebody who wasn't listening to the band like you were, I didn't know about Nikki and Mick and, and Vince. Yeah, so in, in 1994... And Tommy's the drummer. Yeah, which right. you know you don't see that happen on a lot of bands, right? Normally, it's it's the this is an interesting case too because you have the drummer as kind of the frontman bad boy personality. Vince did his share, but it was never quite the same in terms of celebrity spotlight, right? Right, like this is where Tommy took the spotlight away from everyone in the band, and Nikki was in the throes of addiction, and Vince was in and out of that. But the problem that also happened is that Vince either got kicked out of the band or fired. So their 1994 record was a self-titled record where John Karabi was the singer. And I remember I worked at a radio station, and I, I got a thing every week that would tell me how... Like it would concerts, like when bands played, it would show me the capacity 
of the place they were playing and the number of tickets sold. And so this was the first time I saw, number one, really odd and, and not related, that REO Speedwagon was having trouble selling 1,500 tickets yep. in 1994. That sounds about right. But also Motley Crue was having trouble drawing 2,000 people. Wow. So, so they got rid of Vince Neil and everything went totally really weird. But and so Dr. Feelgood was an enormous record as 89 and they're way past that. So this is like kind of really the off time like when they got rid of Vince like eh, everything kind of went kind of crappy, you know, for them. It it wasn't a it was pretty much like a real dark time for the band in terms of success, right? So that's that's the beginning of 94. We'll talk about their kids because they end up having two children. But the thing that most people know about this relationship is the most scandalous part about the relationship. And that is the theft of this home video that comes from their house. So instead of being like real raunchy and talking about the tape itself, which is pretty much easy things you can do, I wanted to tell everybody about the more specific things that you may not know. So, Brian, do you know why the tape ended up out of their house? Like how it got out? Uh, can I ask you a personal question? Yeah, yeah. Do Do you tape what you do at night? No. No. Interesting. All right. No. I don't. That either. was quick. I don't either. <laughs> I, it's It's always interesting to me. But like, I'm sure there. I'm sure I know people that do do tape that, but I do not. And I like it to me reads of really really intense ego. Like you know when you hear about one of these being stolen, it's it's. I don't want to say you know. Everybody's privacy should be everybody's privacy. And if you tape something like that to enjoy in the privacy of your own home, good for you. But I'm always a little bit interested right. in the motivation of someone who's like, you know what I want to watch later? Yeah, not me. Uh, okay, so but, proceed. But she told later in her career, Pamela Anderson told Pierce Morgan that she's never watched this tape in her life and kind of referred to it as embarrassing because it was stolen out of her house. And definitely they recorded, his idea. Definitely his they, idea, not her idea. They, well, I, I, no, and, and that's totally not true. And and the other thing is that she said, almost like, you know, kind of shrugging her shoulders. She's like, "We taped everything, and we were always naked." <laughs> right? I mean, so so what did what's anyone doing wrong? So so in, I mean, in, privacy in, in your own home, man. I'm I'm a bleeding heart. I got it. So she. So she moves into the house in Malibu, and they're doing a remodel in the house, and Tommy fires this electrician and this other guy who are working on the house. And so this is what happened and where this unbelievable scandal happens that breaks about them that a lot of people didn't know what occurred. So... The the guy, there's this guy, and his name is Rand Gunther, Gunther I guess, G-A-U-T-H-I-E-R is his name. And he was the guy, the, the electrician, that got, uh, he got fired. So he, it was kind of a drag, and, and he went back to the, the house the next day after he got fired with another guy to get their tools, and ta- he said that Tommy Lee pulled a shotgun on him and and you know, cock the, the shotgun and said, get the fuck off my property. So 
he said that he even said like I'm I'm kind of paraphrasing. He said people really don't like he's not really good with people and people don't necessarily like him, but no one had really ever pulled a gun on him. <laughs> so he said that Rolling Rolling Stone said this. This is not Rand Rand's word, the electrician's word, but Rolling Stone said eventually he was so angry about that episode, about having the gun pulled on him, that he wanted the drummer to feel vulnerable, to realize that he was just a person, just a human being, not an invincible rock god, even if he had sold 20 million records by the time he was 32 years old. So what, what did he do to, to get fired? Um, I don't know what he did. I don't know what he did to get fired. I haven't been able to see that anywhere. I will tell you what he did after... <laughs> He got fired. I have some ideas of what that might have been. He, he broke into their garage to steal their safe. And in their safe was, he knew, like, guns and jewelry. He just didn't know that there was a video cassette in it. And wow. wouldn't you know that, for some reason, he had a background in the adult entertainment industry. And he <laughs> appeared in movies himself and was familiar with the business. Wait, so, the electrician had been in movies? Of course, Brian. <laughs> at Motley Crue's house? Do you, it's like you'd think the pizza guy has too. Like, do this you is think just that, all do you perfect. Think that's, that's why he became an electrician? He's like, I'm not actually, I don't know anything about electricity and I have not apprenticed, but I once played an electrician. An electrician <laughs> who is really, really good at laying cable. <laughs> Yeah, I have a live wire. So <laughs> he, so this guy, so this all starts to happen without Tommy and Pam knowing. Think about this. There's no real internet streaming stuff happening. He hooks up with another guy who makes a bunch of copies of it. They destroy the original and set up a website. To just start selling copies for sixty bucks. I mean, this is amazing, and, and it has to be noted here that this is pre really the takeoff of the internet, right? So, oh yeah, you don't 94. have. I mean, now it seems so quaint to say like, oh, it like there was this whole process to get this thing out, but like, you know, now that takes you accidentally fat thumb something, and you've got a video on the internet you didn't mean to put up there, right? But yeah. now. Right, and so but then, here, not not the case. So here, their guys, these dudes, are just selling the stuff they stole out of their house for sixty bucks. God, on the, when, like, what do you think that conversation was like when they realized that's in the safe? Right, because they're like, "Oh, look, we got a little cash. We yeah. got some guns. We got some." And then they're like, "Oh my god, oh, what is on this videotape? We've won!" And and then. What ends up happening is that it becomes like the, the thing where just everyone just starts making copies and people are making copies. People are selling it out of people's trunks and stuff. It is months before they have any idea of what has happened. They really don't. They have no clue that that this has occurred and it's so widespread or it's Christmas before they realize the safe's even gone. It's been <laughs> – Half a year, they didn't even know that the the safe's even gone. So it's being circulated, and they themselves don't know it's being circulated. So people are watching this tape for months before they before because again, if that happened now, within twenty four forty eight hours, everyone would know, right? But right then, it's like that's not you know. There's not only the internet to think about and the distribution channels to think about, but there's just kind of the societal 
conversation and like you yeah. wouldn't have just been talking about it on entertainment tonight necessarily yeah. right until it really but, breaks widespread but because of it we'll get into this but because of this whole thing happening it opens up all of that that you just said everything and how we talk about celebrity and how everything that we do and how news is consumed really for me it comes from this yeah. this is an incredibly huge thing that happened between this musician and the supermodel and they 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 file a 10 million dollar lawsuit as an injunction to try to stop this everywhere and they get shut down they get stuck they're like have you know having their first kid but they can't stop these they can't stop these tapes from being made and they just like they try to file an injunction it gets shot down and you can imagine what a disaster that might have been living through that, and especially living through uh, a, a relationship with Tommy Lee, who at this point very clearly has been proven to be like an incredibly abusive husband. He did six months in jail at the end of this divorce, you know? Yeah. So, so let's talk about that. I mean, the, the tape, the cultural impact of the tape is huge, and I think we kind yeah. of knew that. I had no idea it was stolen by an electrician who used to be in the adult film industry, so thank you for that wait, nugget. Yeah, and, and wait, I'm not done, but... Go ahead. But, you want but to ask something else? I just want to make sure we really talk about the Tommy and Pam fallout and, and what happens in that relationship because they're victims in this particular case, but I think he is, as you've alluded to, not a not a good dude. And I, I don't think that's a surprise, but Right, right, right. And and so before before the relationship completely dissolves, they unwittingly become celebrity sex tape pioneers. I mean, really, if you think about it. <laughs> so sure. they and and what I'm it's it's a drag because it's so weird because I, I read this over and over again and none of this made any sense to me. Because I'm gonna tell you this first piece of information and the second piece of information contradicts the first piece of information. I don't know. I mean I don't know what people do on drugs. I don't know man. Sometimes you do weird stuff. So they signed the copyright over for this this the tape on on right around Thanksgiving of 1997. So just think about it. It's about five years after they met to a company that's called Club Love. Who, who this this guy then cuts a deal with Vivid, which is a adult entertainment yeah, yeah, industry yeah. company, to sell hard copies of the movie. Hard copies, Brian, on DVD, VHS, and CD-ROM. Oh wow! Okay, is there, yeah. inter, is there an interactive version? How's that work on CD-ROM? No, you no, change no. the angles or something. No, there's not. This is not exactly a cat, the Casablanca of adult film, dude. <laughs> Since you haven't seen it, I'm not going to tell you much more about it. But it, but so this is '97. So they eventually got a divorce in '98. They had two children, Dylan and Brandon, are the two sons that they had. But eventually, Tommy was not only the reason that Tommy's vilified and rightfully so is when he eventually was charged for. Uh, assault or spousal abuse, he was charged with assaulting his wife while she was holding one of her children. Wow. So he went straight to jail, to jail for six months. Um, but if you think about all of that together, like everything that, like I've explained about how this, this marriage has come together or whatever, this led to the creation of things like TMZ, because this didn't exist. 
And people like Paris Hilton or Kim Kardashian wouldn't have a career literally because their popularity was boosted by doing the same things that happened to Tommy and Pamela. It really like it's it's kind of the thing by saying they're pioneers. Yeah, it's kind of true, but they got divorced and I'll get into Pamela here in a little bit, um, but they always kind of went back together so she would go back to him and and then they break up and then they go back together and then and they break up um and so that was kind of weird to see that 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 happened um but what i did want to do is i wanted to tell you about pam's relationships after tommy because it's important um why not so after she got divorced from Tom, I mean, I'm telling you this because it's funny. I mean, sort of. I mean, I'm not trying to make fun of her. It's just like, oh, yeah, that's right. This happened really fast. And then so she, after she, she married Bob Vila is what you're saying, right? Yeah. So <laughs> after, after the divorce from Tommy, she became, she became engaged to a model named Marcus Schankenberg. It says 1998, and then they broke up in 2001. Then she got engaged to Robert Ritchie. Kid Rock. Oh, um, yeah. And, right. And then they broke up in 2003. Then, three years later, she said she was going to marry Kid Rock. And then they got married on a yacht in July of 2006 in France. And I won't read this quote. as hilarious stuff she said about how, you know, uh, whatever. And But apparently there was a rumor that the reason they were getting married was that she was pregnant. But... So that was that was July when they got married. In November, it was announced that she had miscarried in Vancouver shooting a new movie. 17 days later, she filed for divorce. Oh, man. But, but a lot of people say the divorce had nothing to do with a miscarriage. It's the fact that she decided to screen Borat at their house, and he had no idea that she gets kidnapped by Borat at the end of the movie, and he flipped out, and that's why she ended up getting a divorce. That's a real thing that people bounce around. So, so after Kid Rock, she kind of goes back. So this is this is like ten years after she's divorced from Tommy Lee. She starts going back and seeing Tommy uh, like a bit, and then. She gets engaged to Rick Solomon, who's like a film producer, and they got married, and that was October of 2007. Then they separated in December um, December of 2007, so like the same year. And then she, in January of 2014, she announced she was getting remarried to Rick Solomon, and then in February of 2015, she announced she was getting divorced from Rick Solomon. And then in 2017, she was getting married to a French football player named Adil Rami. And then that was 2017. Two years later, she announced on Instagram that they were separating. Then in January of 2020, she married a Hollywood producer named John Peters. That's January. One month later... They separated. Well, I mean, in um, fairness, they probably realized they were going to have to quarantine together, and that is just, you know. Right. And now, and <laughs> now, a lot of marriages. She, 
Right. And now she's married to her bodyguard. Wait. Um, so did, did, has anyone sent her a note that says, you know, Pam, you can like hang out with people and you can even have relations with people and you don't have to marry them. Like, it seems like that's a lot of extra work. And she's yeah. carrying a lot of wealth, especially when it's like her bodyguard or somebody, right? So, I mean, I'm sure there's prenups and stuff, but like, why why the overcommitment? Just hang out for a while. Yeah. Um, and so the the thing that you probably didn't know that is amazing is that after, you know, so Tommy, I can't imagine, is, has to be like Gene Simmons in terms of like the number of women that he slept with or whatever. But from 2002 to 2003, he was engaged to Maya Ty Garcia, the ex-wife of Prince. How crazy what? is that? Really? Yeah. I did not yeah, know she, that. Yeah. She sang on one of his solo records and even toured with him when he had a, a solo tour. Um, so now he's married to like a, it's a social media celebrity because that's oh, okay. the title of her person. <laughs> and her name's Brittany Furlong is her name. And I saw a video of them and um, they were on uh, a podcast with Christina Persitsky and her husband. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like two Tom, of the first people we ever spoke yeah, with. Yeah, early. Podcast. A fun little fact about Brian and Murdoch. One of our very early in our in our podcasting together, we uh, we had both of them separately, which was really fun. We had Christina Pashitsky and then we had Tom Segura. Probably I don't know six months later or something. Um, and both of them ranked for a long time, and we would rank kind of our favorite moments of that show. Those those were at the top. Yeah. Um, so Tommy, I mean, look, Tommy sucks. He he was. <laughs> In 98, he had a lawsuit filed against him for exposing a right-facing Nazi swastika tattoo on his arm. What? Um, but it was actually really a left-facing swastika. Is there a and difference? Then, I don't know my swastika etiquette. I, I, nah, I'm not a Nazi. <laughs> but a couple of years before that, he pled no contest contest to beating up a Jewish photographer outside the, the Viper room about because they were talking about the tattoo like there's so many things that have happened that are crazy but anyway so um yeah and like you'd mentioned one of the things that was just shocking which is now it was 17 plus years ago in jane magazine pamela anderson had a uh, interview and she mentioned that she had gotten hepatitis c when because she was sharing needles with Tommy Lee and good golly molly i mean i can't believe this is actually a thing so this is the last thing because this is just all it is is scandalous amazingness and and really i think that the the immediate scandal like based news like uh, a add news cycle we have I think it kind of started here. Like this was sort of where it happened. And then just because of how they became famous, other people became famous the same way. And and it's just, I don't know. It's do you, like, do you think that Paris Hilton and or um, the Kardashian clan, like at some point they point back to this and say like, here's a maneuver. Here's a, here's a potential way to, to make this happen. Was it, who is Paris Hilton's with? Wasn't hers with Rick Solomon? Did I make that yeah, up? I think that's correct. I think that's correct. So that's weird too. <laughs> that is very strange that that's, this guy's like, 
Yeah, that's it's all very weird. But yeah, you're right. You're right. The significance of this story. I mean, again, we like to stick to the yep. the, the. You're correct. We like to stick to the music of this, right? Um, but I felt like when I saw that connection back into, you know, the the Warren story that we were talking about, and and Bobby Brown. And how all of this connects and how he went from, I mean, you're right. You trace it all the way back to Heather Locklear, right? First of all, Tommy has a type, but second of all, there's a real, uh, there's a real moment in history about where we're headed. And it's like, imagine going back in a time machine, dropping into 1994 when all this is breaking and just trying to explain, trying to explain to someone what was going to un- unfurl over the next 30 years in yeah. terms of, of how this sort of thing was going to become so mainstream that we wouldn't really even think about it. Right. So so now I'm going to give you into almost present day on like how gross this is. But I'm going to tell you right now up front, this all turned out okay. And apparently everybody got back to a happy place after this. But earlier last year for Father's Day... Tommy Lee got on on Twitter, which would have been a thing to no one would be able to even get their head around a quarter of a century ago, and went on to on to Twitter and Instagram both and post post this thing about his dad and said, "This is Tommy Lee's words. My father taught me to respect everyone and everything to take care of those that I love. He taught me to appreciate my possessions, be grateful for the things that I was given. I fucked up a lot of times, but I've always bounced back. When I was a child, my first." When I had a child, my first child, I wanted to instill those same values into him. Sometimes I feel like I failed as a father because my kids don't know the value of things. If they break something, they don't care because they don't know they'll just get a new one. And if they hurt someone, they don't care because so many people tell them it's okay. I never wanted this for my kids. Then he basically went on to say that he's not fully to blame and blamed Pamela for, quote, (laughs) enabling bad behavior and buying them things when they weren't good. (sighs) Nothing can prepare you for fatherhood. I love my boys, but they can be assholes, too. And that's the truth. Cue honest guy music. An hour later, hang tight. This still is a roller coaster of freak show uh, as the world turns. His son, Brandon, just replies to it and says, remember what happened last time you said this shit? Night, night. (laughs) And so this is, he says, you got to show up to be dad, big guy. You think we're so bad, which I can assure you we're not that you would showed up to a few more birthdays and baseball games. Someone like you shouldn't, couldn't have raised a man like me. Once again, painting our family in a negative light. Who the fuck do you think you are? Just move on, dude. We all have, or I'll put you right back to fucking sleep. So apparently in March, a month later, 911 responded to a call from Tommy Lee's house where his 21 year old son came into the house punched him in the face, and knocked him out, apparently again. <laughs> I feel bad laughing at this. Right, because it's like, it's it's it like this is like a t- the, ice, the tip of the iceberg of Motley Crue stories, but it's one that you don't get to hear because this is such a crazy thing about how this Pamela Anderson, Tommy Lee thing has never ended. Hulu just announced two months ago they're making a movie about this, Are man. Are like, kidding? It's, it's, no, it's not over. Like, we're going to have to live through this, like, totally again. But 
so anyway, so Tommy said that, yeah, his son came in and like sucker punched him and knocked him out. And Brandon, his son said, you know what? His dad was completely drunk and he punched him in the face and knocked him out. But now apparently like COVID California, they've been seeing going out to lunch and hanging out and they're friends again. Right. But, but back to sort of what I was saying, this relationship changed so much and so much in the conversation about what we talk about with celebrity and rock stars and how and pop culture and how all this is that it's still in like it's still pervasive inside of the social media that has invaded everything at this point because their personalities although Pamela Anderson has tried to escape social media and has come to the rescue of Julian Assange of all people like you can't make this stuff up. Like, well, who who would you think 25 years ago you'd be like, there's somebody that's going to get all the secrets from the military and going to put it on the internet, and I bet Pamela Anderson will be that free speech person. <laughs> yeah, that's her. <laughs> well, she knows something about, you know, things getting leaked onto the internet. And, I, I, you know, I've yeah. got to say, to you know, just to put some punctuation on this, uh, you know, it's hard not to laugh when you hear this in the context of it being Tommy Lee because he has made himself such an outsized character. But if this was me or you or a neighbor or a mutual friend of ours and we found out that that friend was got punched in the face by his son because that's how dysfunctional our family was, it's it's very sad. And you, you've already pointed to this, right? That like part of they kind of helped create the monster that has pushed us into this arena where we're all sitting around in our homes laughing about the idea that his son walked into his and punched him in the face. You know, there would have been a time where we just wouldn't have heard about this or we would have heard about it on such a delay that it would have been in a book or something. And, you know, it, it, it just, it wouldn't permeate like it permeates now. So, yeah. But to, but to leave us on this, which is a positive note, I would like to let you know that any of you, you know, you're listening. Um, if you accidentally saw a private videotape of one of your friends, and one of those guys was driving a boat and he was able to honk the horn of the boat without his hands or his feet, you would think that's funny too. <laughs> and I, that's all I got. Oh man. We are the story guys at gmail.com. If you were to get involved, comment on this, comment on any other episode or tell us something that you would like us to investigate. Thank you for all of those. You've been reaching out. We are making a list and checking it twice on upcoming episodes that we will be talking about. And it's exciting and fun. And we appreciate you being a part of it with us. If you would like to check out anything else we have going on, the, um, the website's very similar. It's, we are the story And you can check out our other show story guys. Plus, other things that we like and talk about and promote, and uh, another show on our network called Hypotheticals, a fun uh, game show starring our friends uh, Charles and Kelsey. And uh, I've got to say, Murdoch, well done. This was a master class in all that is Tommy Lee, and I, and I truly appreciate it. You've saved me hours and hours of reading uh, really questionable prose um, about... Uh, <laughs> Reading, reading Tommy Tommy Lee's autobiography, Tommy, Tommy Land, Tommy Land yeah. which is narrated by his penis. I just <laughs> saved you the time. Is it really? Yes. <laughs> he said that he said that when he was he was trying to do the audiobook, he was going to have he was going to have himself 
you know, you know, speak part of it. And then there's a guy who wrote the book with him. And then they were just going to get a, a black guy with a really deep voice to actually be the voice of his penis. I, for his, some reason, when you said that, I thought, and then his member would be played by Kermit the Frog. No, no, well. no, this is completely the, the opposite. Kermit the Frog here. <laughs> yeah. We've learned a so, lot hey, tonight, including that I do not have a good Kermit the Frog impression. Make sure you keep telling stories. Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories is a Story Guys production. The show is produced and edited by Brian Eichenberger. Get more stories, hear more podcasts, and book the guys for your conference or house party at wearethestoryguys.com. Copyright Boy Have We Got Stories Productions. All rights reserved.